0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire.
1: Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. It's April, baby. It's draft month. We're excited to get this rolling. A lot of things planned. We look back at what we did last year. We're going to do a lot of the same and also add more content. We're going to have some interviews coming up, mock drafts. We're going to break down positions. That's my favorite thing. A little top five, sleepers, breakouts, busts, that type of stuff. But before we do any of that, we got to profile a lot of these players uh, that are in the mix for the Giants or we believe might be in the mix for the Giants. So today's profile is going to be Jordan Addison, the wide receiver, most recently out of USC, played at Pitt before that for the first two seasons of his collegiate career. He was also one of the most productive receivers over the last couple of seasons come into this draft class. That's something that really stood out to me. I think starting for me, Nick, is a player like this. You can see watching Jordan Addison, why people are excited about him. And you could also see, and I think you discussed this off pod and really stood out to me. That there's the floor. The floor here is is obvious. It's a high floor with a player like Jordan Addison, but it's about, is there a ceiling too? And so we're going to try to un- unlock that today and figure out if he's a nice fit for the Giants. But let's start with you, Nick. What was kind of your overall takeaway watching Jordan Addison or where do you want to start here on Addison?
2: I like Jordan Addison. I think he is an elite route runner, which is obviously very important in today's NFL. I think he knows how to manipulate cornerbacks, how to get them to open up, how to cross their face. I feel like he is a solid overall athlete. He didn't necessarily test all that well at the combine, which and I feel like right now he is somewhat sliding down maybe like how we're viewing him because at the beginning of this process, Dan, it seemed like a lot of people were talking and speaking very highly of Jordan Addison. And now I feel like we hear much more about Zay Flowers, who I really appreciate, Quentin Johnston, the TCU wide receiver, and Jordan Addison's kind of being forgotten about. And this is somebody at Pitt with Kenny Pickett as his quarterback. Who caught 100 passes on 144 targets for over 1,500 yards and 17 touchdowns? He was the Fred Belitnikoff Award winner as the top wide receiver in the nation, which is what Jordan or what Jalen Hyatt won this past year, the Tennessee wide receiver. So just looking at his game, he goes over to play with Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner in 2022. Doesn't have the same type of impact in 2021, had 59 catches and 79 targets for 875 yards and eight touchdowns. But i look at it man and it i wasn't like he was terrible or anything like that right he actually had a much lower drop rate in in uh 2022 i think he only had like two drops last year he had 11 the year before and 10 the year before that but it was just his usage with usc just seemed to be a lot more screens a lot more stuff around the line of scrimmage uh he did run his goes and things of that nature his quick little out routes and stuff but it didn't seem like he ran as diverse of a route tree at USC that he did at Pitt. Did you get that sense
1: at all? And how many Pitt games did you watch of him? So yeah, I got that sense exactly. I watched two games Pitt, uh, the rest of the games were all USC games. But I definitely did get that same feel as you got. And I think part of what I like about his profile is that he played in different multiple systems with multiple different quarterbacks. And that gave him a chance to kind of run, like you said, more of a diverse route tree across his whole, you know, the whole sample size it's not just his usc but you're right at usc there was a a, you know he a much less i guess i could call it a what would be the word to describe it like a you know a smaller a smaller menu for what he ran there and that was something that stood out to me but i will say this that i and i really like jordan addison too because i think that he so with day flowers i feel like a lot of his ability to create separation is just that lower half explosiveness With Addison, I feel like it's more up here. It's more in his head. Like you said, he does a really good job dictating the routes. But also, he really wastes no space getting out of his breaks. I mean, it's so interesting to watch how short – I don't know how to describe this, Nick i'm trying to think of the way to do it's it's not like short choppy steps but it's just a way that he positions his body and changes the the direction of his feet to create separation on like specifically the blaze outs that he runs like i'll watch him run a blaze out and he'll just immediately create separation and you'll see the, the cornerback kind of like on his back foot and we saw that a lot with zay flowers too i like zay flowers too but it's a different style with with flat uh, addison smooth is the word people use for him and i understand why he's a really smooth route runner and then you'll see him run that blaze out and he'll get create space but then you'll see him run the out and up off of it, like setting up the out and up based off of his blaze out. And you'll see him look back to the quarterback and do things like that. That it makes it look like, okay, he gets into those out of his break. He's looking into the out route. He's turned his helmet is almost fully back to the quarterback and the cornerback has to, the quarterback and the cornerback has to really commit to that. Boom. he will run the out route, And that's how he creates some vertical separation. I saw him on that, uh, one of the games that, of the USC games I watched and I was like, that was impressive. I also saw the first, the first play he had of the season, uh, with USC was, was a whip route in the Renzo Renzo and that he created a ton of separation on. And so, you know, he's going to be good on the whip routes. You know, he's going to be good on the outs, the out and ups. And then there's also a route that the best film I think you can watch of Jordan Addison if anyone wants to watch is his game against Utah because you're actually watching him against a cornerback who many people think is going to be like a top 30, 35, 40 selection in this draft and Clark Phillips. And he had a pretty good game against Clark Phillips, especially the vertical route. I'm not sure the exact route it was. It might've been like a, a, co- a corner post, but I, I don't remember, but he did a really good job on that route of creating separation again, using his feet and not wasting any space. That's kind of the number one thing. I think when I watch Addison, he just does a really good job of maximizing all the space in and out of his breaks to find a way to create separation. When you watch a player like that, Nick, what do you think? Like you think about what is Brian Dable and Joe Shane Want in wide receivers. They want these wide receivers who can create separation and smooth route runners can create separation. So he definitely seems like somebody who's a fit to me for what the Giants are doing.
2: I 100% agree. He seems like the fit, and that would have to be at 25, in my opinion. He's not going to fall to the second round. And I like the fact that you brought up the little nuances of running those short Blaze type of routes. And what a Blaze route is, is essentially you're aligned, say, on the numbers or just inside the numbers, and you release like you're going to run vertical and then you just turn towards the sideline and you just kind of drift towards the sideline and kind of like a flat type of route and you're right man he creates a lot of separation doing that i feel like him his ability to sell his vertical stem off the line of scrimmage is is deceptive it gets those cornerbacks on their heels a little bit because he's not a quentin johnston type of speed receiver he is not jalen hyatt in terms of his ability to stretch defenses but he is a player who can sell those vertical routes. And the way he just, the the shoulder fakes, the head turns, the way he orients his hips, his feet, they really deceive what the cornerback thinks he's going to do. His intentions are always hidden very well, Jordan Addison. It's It's a very subtle thing, but it's something that's very vital in terms of creating separation in the NFL. Windows in the NFL are so small, Dan. They're so small. So you need to maximize every opportunity. And those little subtle micro movements that Jordan Addison does releasing off the line of scrimmage, they set him up so well down the field and all across the football field. And there was a play too, Dan, that I wanted to highlight from his pit tape. It was against Virginia. It was the last play of the game for, for Pitt's offense, where he ran a route where he released inside and the cornerback I think was riding his outside hip. And it was going to be kind of like an inside release to a corner. And the cornerback ended up falling down. He had safety help over the top. So the safety was driving down on Jordan Addison. Once Jordan Addison started releasing outside towards the corner, And the ball looked like it was about to get intercepted, but Jordan Addison came back towards the football and kind of jumped in between himself and the safety to get his hands on the football. And then he took it all the way to the house for like a 55, 60 yard touchdown or something like that. Little plays like that at the catch point are other things that I love and appreciate about Jordan Addison because he is smart. And he's going to run back towards the football and he's going to present his hands and he's going to put his quarterback into a position where footballs aren't going to get intercepted all that much. Like I see that effort at the catch point that I appreciate with a player like this.
1: Yeah, I like how you brought that up, because I think about like I just watched a ton of Zay flowers before Jordan Addison, and that's the player we profiled previously on this podcast. And I just try to like compare them to as I watch them to playing both on the outside at times. And I think one thing I really appreciate about Addison's game that I think could translate to the next level, I didn't see as much with Zay flowers tape is that when you talk about, and I think you did a great job narrowing it down to the things that I was trying to get to, but you did a good job explaining what they were, which is uh, the hips and the feet as far as like creating the separation. And that's why I saw a lot more success with Addison breaking back on uh, routes that break back toward the line of script. So he'll win a one-on-one on the outside where it's just like a simple curl, right? Or a stick route right at the sticks. But the way he wins those routes, it's interesting because you'll see him just no waste at the top of that break. When he tries to like break back toward the quarterback, the, the end of that route, He just has no, he turns his hips and he turns his, and he uses his feet to create separation in a way where you're just like, there's no wasted movement. Like he'll have one, two steps and he's back toward the quarterback. And it looks like it's all done in that same radius of of field. And you're like, shit, what is the cornerback supposed to do to defend this? And I didn't see as many of those types of routes with Zay Flowers. That I thought was good. And then the flip side of that is I do agree with you that he does a good, do a good job of using his, um, Nuance route running to win vertically, but there are concerns I have with just his release off the line of scrimmage on vertical routes. It wasn't like watching Zay flowers who would just fire off the line of scrimmage on those vertical routes. And, and just immediately the corner the corner can't even get his hands on him in press man, because he's just so quick with his feet and so fast with his feet with Addison. I felt like there was times where, he, where, where the corner just rode him toward the sideline. And it was just like, uh, on, and there's very few reps anyway in college football where they're impressed, man. A lot of these reps that you're watching Addison, there's off coverage. But I felt like he didn't have that same gear, that same quick speed off the line of scrimmage to win on those vertical routes. So at the NFL level, I am definitely concerned with his size, his frame at 173 pounds and then ability to win on just those kind of vertical routes with a speed release. I think he can win on the vertical routes where, like you said, he it's a longer developing route, like a post corner or just a post, whatever it would be. Um, And he can kind of use his, like you said, his nuanced route running, but the route he ran against Clark Phillips, that was the, what route was that was a vertical route. What was the name of that route? I I, I was blanking on it before, you know, the one I'm talking about where he cuts across the field
2: Yeah, And that was a similar type of route with a different angle. And the one that I was just bringing up from his time at Pitt against Virginia, where he releases inside gets Clark Phillips to flip his hips. And then he cuts right back outside. Once Clark Phillips is kind of leaning onto him. And then that kind of just cut back to the outside, really just kind of shook both of these cornerbacks because both the cornerbacks on this play, the Virginia cornerback don't have his name. And Clark Phillips fell down and then Jordan Addison broke into space. Clark Phillips had no safety help whatsoever. Right. And Jordan Addison was just sitting at the sideline like, yo, Caleb Williams, throw the football to me. <laughs> Caleb Williams finally got the football to him. He caught it. Should have been a touchdown. Credit to Clark Phillips for getting up and sprinting and and, uh, and locating him because Jordan Addison didn't end up scoring. So, yeah, that was a very nice route. And those are the types of routes we're talking about, right? It's, it's not necessarily yeah. a double move like we saw Isaiah Hodgins run a lot, those double moves that we saw. But when you have a wide receiver who can effectively run these types of routes with the footwork, with the deception, all those types of things, right? You can start incorporating that into your offense a little bit more. And he does it very well because I think you're right, man. He, he's not somebody who fires off the line of scrimmage like a Zay Flowers. He doesn't have that high-end athletic ability. That's why I think he's he's a solid athlete, right? He's going to be a solid yeah. NFL athlete, but he's not a difference-making NFL athlete. He wins through subtleties and just kind of understanding how to get open. That's how this player, Jordan Addison, becomes victorious at the next level. That's how he ended up winning the Fred Blitnikoff award too. It wasn't him just absolutely dominating through his athletic, but it was just him being a very damn good wide receiver at the college level. And I think that's translatable to the NFL as well.
1: Yeah, because I think what he does best, because look, I have some reservations about him at the next level. Like I talked about, like, can he win vertically against press man? I don't know. He's 173 pounds, but one thing I know he was going to be able to do Nick, which there's no doubt about is probably the most important thing these days for a wide receiver. At least it's the most important thing that Joe Shane and Brian Dable are looking for. I think when you go through all these offenses across the NFL and you ask these coordinators, they'd probably say it's the most important thing for them is, he's going to present a lot of layup throws for the quarterbacks and for the offense. And that's what you need these days in the NFL. And why is he going to present that? Because like we were talking about before he wins on out routes, he wins on in breaking routes. He wins on uh stick routes that break back to the quarterback because he can create so much separation by wasting no movement with that hip fluidity and that, and his footwork and his foot fluidity. And you'll see a ton of routes that at least that I saw from Caleb Williams with, with Addison last year, where it was just like a simple one-on-one on the outside break back to the quarterback, curl route, and he trusts him. The quarterback has a trust in Addison because he knows that Addison's able to create the separation at the top of his routes. So you need that. The Giants offense needed that last year as part of what allowed them to go to that shotgun offense where they started to use 11 personnel, run it through Daniel Jones, because they, had, they started to have confidence in Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James and some of these wide receivers to win in these one-on-one situations, these layup-type routes. So I know no matter what with Addison, he's going to be able to do that at the next level. It's a matter of what's his ceiling as a 173 pounder without that's not that athletic. That brings me to like the value of it all. Cause I don't know. People are so searching so hard giants fans for wide receiver one. And I don't know if he has that kind of wide receiver one upside, but it's possible because people said the same thing about Calvin Ridley.
2: That's the thing, right? And he, I believe I saw a video recently where Jordan Addison said, who do you, who's your favorite receiver? I believe was the way the question was phrased. I don't know if it was, who do you uh, liken yourself most to, but his answer, Jordan Addison, was Calvin Ridley. And I remember watching Calvin Ridley when he was coming out of school, when he was coming out of Alabama, and he was a player that I was like, dude, this guy is a very nuanced route runner. He's not necessarily the biggest player. He's not necessarily somebody who is going to wow you with his athletic ability, but he just understands how to get open. I think that's the, the upside to Jordan Addison the, the, if you want to kind of look at the example of, okay, we're going to take this guy, Jordan Addison in the first round, what do we hope he becomes in three years outside of gambling issues? You want him to become Calvin Ridley. That's what you want, right? So I, uh, I would sign up to take Calvin Ridley on my team any day of the week because he understands how to uncover. I think he is a true number one wide receiver. Is he Jamar chase? No, he's not. But if Jordan Addison can get to that level, that's the dream. I've heard like Stefan Diggs as well. I don't necessarily see that. Like I get the route running portion, but I think Stefan Diggs is a better athlete yes. than Jordan Addison. And he's a little bit bigger too. I think people think he's a smaller guy. I think Stefan Diggs is, he's at least in the one nine, like 172 is small, bro. That's not yeah. a big dude. Like he is third percentile in weight. And we saw last great. draft It's not great. We saw last draft The Giants ignore, uh, thresholds and things like that with Wandell Robinson and Cordell Flott. I don't know if they'll do that again, Especially for the same position, but Jordan Addison, man, um, I, I like him. We'll, we'll get into some uh, some more stuff if we think the Giants should take him a little bit later at pick twenty five. But I do think he is a, a good wide receiver who will make a very a very solid number two wide receiver with the upside of being a number one.
1: Yeah, and I like. I had a good conversation last night with a friend of mine who you actually met recently. Uh, shout out Gary Levine, and we were talking about how you know when we do these podcasts, I, I was always saying like. I bring up the NFL comparisons and Nick's always like, I hate doing the NFL comparisons. I hate to make the NFL comparisons." And I know why you're saying that Nick, but he was trying to say for like, he's like, he's like, I can totally understand why somebody like Nick, who's so technically sounding, like has all this, type of football information wouldn't want to ever make an NFL comparison because he doesn't want to sit here and say like, this guy's going to be the next this guy. But he says for people like me and the average fan, and I think he's right about this NFL comparisons are one of the best things he can hear on these types of podcasts. Cause it gives him an idea of what to look for. Like, oh, he has Antonio Brown's suddenness. Oh, he has, you know, what, whoever's leaping ability. Oh, he has his ability to create separation on this type of route. And it gives him the type of, cause he's like, when I hear all the other X's and O stuff for somebody like me, who doesn't know as much, it doesn't really resonate the same way. So that's why I like the NFL comparison too because it gives you an idea of like what kind of player he can be and so for my profile i wrote up uh for jordan addison on cbs you can check out all our profiles i compared him to calvin ridley that was the nfl player i saw the most and i started watching a little bit of calvin Ridley. and I, and really what it comes down to for me is just the hip fluidity that you talked about earlier and the no wasted movement out of his breaks that's just a mm-hmm. When you're able to do that, you're just creating – it's so hard for a cornerback to stop because you're not rounding out your routes. You're not. Pre- you're, you're presenting such a small area of space for the corner to be on. Like He has to be glued to your hip at all times. And I feel like a lot of times you watch Jordan Asson, the corner just wasn't. He wasn't able to keep up with him in and out of his breaks. And that's the Calvin Ridley, right? Like Calvin Ridley is able to win. Now, Calvin Ridley is also able to win on the vertical game uh, with the Falcons, he at least was. That I don't see as – I'm not so sure Jordan Asson is going to be the same. He'll have his routes like you talked about four where like he used nuance route running. He sets up the corner. He gets him off balance, but just right off the line of scrimmage. Sometimes Calvin Ridley can win too. And I'm not so sure. I, I actually put him, what did I write for him for Addison as my comparison. I think I put a less explosive version of Calvin. Ridley. So I put, um, yeah, a smaller and less explosive version of Calvin Ridley is kind of what I see with Addison.
2: I'm trying to think of plays where Addison is outside the numbers and he's one-on-one against somebody and he's winning Consistently outside the numbers, I, I don't think there were really many plays like that. And he was playing with both of those really stud quarterbacks for college, right? Kenny Pickett has has his flaws, but Caleb Williams is a Heisman Trophy winner. Caleb yeah. Williams is possibly the number one overall pick next year. Let's see if Drake Most may. Like. To say yeah. So he's played with really good quarterbacks. His slot percentage in 2022 with USC was 75%. No, his wide percentage was 75% in 2022. But by wide, it wasn't like outside the numbers. Like they used a lot of condensed yeah, tight formations, splits. Yep. tight splits, things like that, where he had so much room to fake inside and then break back, where he had a lot of room to break over the middle of the field and find those soft spots in zone coverage or to manipulate the defender in man coverage. But at Pitt, He aligned a lot more in the slot, 82% in 2020, and then 68% in 2021. But I do remember him also winning outside at Pitt. It seemed like a little bit more than he did at USC. So it is kind of interesting from that standpoint. So I'm trying to kind of recollect him winning consistently one-on-one up the sideline at USC, and there's not a lot of plays that are coming to my mind.
1: Yeah, me either. And I mostly watch his USC tapes. That's probably why I have that. I had that take going into this. And that's like you said, it could just be how they utilize him. That's part of his profile. He's played in a lot of systems. He's played a lot of quarterbacks. I think that's a good thing. One thing I really like about Jordan Addison, which not many people discuss because it's not really like some like like a scouting thing or whatever. But I like the fact that he had 29 touchdowns in 35 games. Like, you look at somebody like this who's 173 pounds, barely, whatever, six foot, six foot one, you're not expecting to be a red zone guy. You're not expecting to be a touchdown guy. But he is because he's so good at creating separation on those in those tight spaces. 29 touchdowns, 35 games, you are a guy who can be a touchdown threat at the NFL level. That means a lot to me. Like I wrote that up in the fantasy profile because obviously for fantasy football means a a ton more than for the NFL, but it does mean a lot in the NFL too. And we saw a lot of the Giants red zone passing touchdowns last year. We're not like simply Daniel Jones throwing a back end zone fade to Kenny Galladay who goes up and mosses somebody. It was Isaiah Hodgins running a whip route (laughs) or like whoever running whip routes, uh, Wondell Robinson running a a pick a rub route in the red zone, like different little things to create separation, that little skinny post they hit Isaiah Hodgins on against Minnesota like and that's the type that's why I'm intrigued by somebody like Addison who can rack up 29 in to 35 game despite being just 173 pounds did you watch the Miami game Miami no, I Pitt. did not see. It.
2: no it was a play Miami Pitt, and this is like one of the things where he's aligning wide but it's in a reduced split it's well inside the numbers and he ran this route where Kenny Pickett put this dime on his outside shoulder, but he ran this route that angled. It was technically a fade route, angled outside. It was 20, 25 yards downfield. Kenny Pickett put this thing back shoulder. It was one-on-one coverage, and it's kind of like what we were referencing before, and Jordan Addison jumped up, twirled midair, caught that stuff back shoulder, both feet in bounds. That's a beautiful play up the sideline, but it's not the outside the numbers thing that we were kind of discussing before. He was aligned well inside the numbers, and then I think he also had a play against UCLA, did you watch the UCLA game in 2022? Yes. Yep. Yeah. He had this out and up where it was yeah, absolutely that was beautiful. Yep. See, this was the one where he is an outside receiver, Dan, but yep. he is in a reduced split and he faked the blaze out and he had success all throughout this game running this blaze out. But then a little bit into the game in the second quarter, he runs a fake blaze out, presents his hands, cornerback just softens that angle and goes right to the hip. And then he just went right up the sideline for like a 50 yard catch. So that he has was that play I was on.
1: referencing at the beginning too. And did you notice on that play? I thought oh. the coolest thing I noticed on that play was that not only did he present, like you said, he also turns his helmet fully back to the quarterback. I thought that was so cool. Like that makes it look like you're really selling. You turn your helmet back to the quarterback. You're like, I'm looking for the ball. Here I am. And then boom, he shoots it back up the sideline. It was awesome. <laughs>
2: And he picked up a couple extra yards too on like he caught the ball. The safety was coming in and he was still able to pick up like 10 yards after the catch. That was a really nice play. I liked his UCLA tape, his Utah tape as we brought. I felt like the Utah tape. You brought the curls. He ran a ton of curls against Utah. And you're right, man. No wasted movements whatsoever on those quick bang, bang, which I feel like will really work to the Giants favor. Because the Giants did a lot of half field reads. A lot of I'm going to read. Right. That cornerback see how he reacts to this route concept, this two-man route concept. When you have a a wide receiver who is so quick in and out of his breaks, Daniel Jones hits that back foot, fires the football. If that cornerback, you know, drops to a depth, or if he doesn't react, uh, if he doesn't react the proper way to to the curl, you can have that quick curl. And Jordan Addison is going to get out of that break
1: instantaneously. Yep, I completely agree with you. Now let's talk about something that is less of a. I guess more of a concern in his profile for me, you mentioned it earlier and I wanted to bring it back up. Yeah. He only had two drops last year, but previously he had 21 drops in two seasons with Pitt, which is a lot of drop passes. And I know some giants fans are just (laughs) hearing this and getting immediate thoughts about Darius Slayton, uh, the giants fans who hate Slayton because of the drops drops are, are worth something for sure. But what I'm really getting on here is what do you think about his hands? Cause I see some plays where, like you said, he'll break back to the quarterback. He'll make this like catch away from fully extended away from his frame, tap his toes in. And you're like, Oh my (laughs) God, this dude looks awesome. And then you're just seeing sometimes where he'll let the ball come into his frame and he's not, you know, out there just plucking the ball out of the air. So do you think this is an issue for him? The 21 drops, the two years at pit, or what are your thoughts on that? Cause I know he had a lot of targets too.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit just inconsistent because one of his drops against USC was against Arizona State where he was running another one of those deeper blaze outs, so more of just kind of an out route. And it was a play where he was kind of approaching the sideline and he extended away from his frame catch i've seen him make plenty of times hits him in his hands and he almost kind of like just threw the ball to the ground it looked like so he has plays yeah. like that there are times where he has just the concentration drops where it hits him in his hands he doesn't bring it in maybe he was peeking to see if there was a defender closing in on him but we also have to keep his anatomy in mind here he has small hands dude what is right. jordan addison hands? jordan addison has i believe eight and three-fourths Inch hands—that is ninth percentile for wide receivers—and I like a receiver with big hands. Like me, all day I want an Odell Beckham out there. I want someone with right. ten-inch hands. Those are mitts. Hakeem Nix, right? There's oh, an inside yeah. joke. There's an inside joke in my in my family about Hakim Nix. Uh, just like one one time, my my father um, brought up how big his hands were. Right, just like he's like, oh man, that guy, you know, and my dad's like, you know, he's an Italian American. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, that guy,
2: he's got really big hands, and that's kind of how my dad talks. And he's like, I, I don't talk like that. So, like, for <laughs> like th- years after it, we always just bring up how Akeem Nix. Like, we still will be like, Yo, Dad, doesn't Akeem Nix have big hands? And he doesn't know where it's from whatsoever. <laughs> he's like, so. So mad at me and my brothers every time we bring it up. <laughs> so just because we're talking about wide receivers hands, I just felt like sharing that. And there are other, awesome. other other reasons why that's funny, but I'm not going to get into that right yeah. now. But Hakeem Nicks is, um Hakeem Nicks, those are the types of hands I want in my prototype receiver yeah. because other than Hunter Renfro, I feel like wide receivers with sub nine inch hands are, they have drop issues. Like Hunter Renfro has like some of the smallest hands right. in the NFL. Doesn't drop any passes. Can't explain it. Whatever. But like Will Fuller, that guy had tiny ass hands. Dropped the football right. all the freaking time. So I Wondo so had like, some
1: plays that I didn't love last year too, where he let the ball come into Wando didn't look like yeah. a natural receiver on yeah. a lot of the plays.
2: Wando Robinson isn't a natural receiver. And that's, yeah. that's just, that's like, when do you see Wando Robinson extend away from his frame and like pluck right. a pass out of him? Like I'm I'm saying, I see yeah. Jordan, I see Jordan Addison doing that a lot. Jordan Addison, another yes. thing that goes against him. Limited catch radius is so somebody 28th percentile wingspan, 20th percentile arm length. So you're talking about below the midway point of the NFL prospects throughout history. He's limited in terms of his catch radius. but I still see him make catches over the middle of the field. We saw him make the catch. Uh, I think it was at the combine where he this is like one of his best plays at the combine because if anybody lost the combine, it was Jordan Addison, right? Came in smaller than a lot of people expected. Didn't test as well as a lot of people expected. But when they were doing the on field drills, he ran a dig route and the throw was like maybe like two. 3 feet over his head and he just kind of leaped up and just plucked it out of the air and was just it's like that's why you like him but when he has these frustrating drops which you didn't see too much at USC but if you go back to his pit tape you see him yeah. quite often now again he had 144 targets uh, that that year at pit in 2021 but his drop percentage was let's see I have his drop percentage was 9.9% and it was 14.3% in 2020 just wow. at USC it was like 3.3% So he's going to have frustrating drops. He's not, I wouldn't say he is completely sure-handed. I don't think it's in a huge part of his game. I don't think it's a huge detriment, but it is something that's going to crop up. And I think some of it is anatomical.
1: Yeah, it is. And that's the point. That's why people want to invest in receivers who have bigger catch radius, who have bigger hands. And Catch radius is a combination of your wingspan too. Like it doesn't have a large wingspan. And I worry about an athlete who you're projecting to the next level, who is 173 pounds, right? The small with a small hands and a and a small wingspan because is he going to be able to hold up when he's running in breakers over the middle or dig routes and he has to get hit by a safety and if a level is two hundred twenty pounds and he's one hundred seventy three pounds like there are great examples of his on his tape where he'll bounce off these tackles I felt like his contact balance was really good over the middle and then he'll spin and he'll and he'll, you know he'll do different moves to to create yards after the catch but that's at the collegiate level I'm just not so sure that's a definite translator to the next level that's something that concerns
0: me right. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Yeah, it's concerning. And I felt like a couple of the drops that I saw specifically back at Pitt, and they were him kind of body catching almost. Like he was breaking back towards the football and he was allowing the football to come into his body and he couldn't corral it. And I was just like, why? That's like an easy catch, right? Is that a concentrate? Is that him paying attention to somebody coming down on him? So it was just like one of those things where I was like, some of those drops, they weren't even him extending away from his frame, which he might be a little bit limited at, at the NFL level. So it's part of his profile. You got to take that into account.
1: One thing I did like that we haven't mentioned yet about his tape, and this is just something that I try to look for when I'm watching wide receivers. I'm trying to look for pre-snap motion, and then if that's confirming man or zone coverage post-snap, then I'll watch post-snap what they're playing, these defenses. And I thought he reminded me in some ways of a previous giant, Steve Smith. You remember, obviously you remember Steve Smith from the Super Bowl runs. Yeah. In his ability to find those soft spots in zone. I think he has really good spatial awareness, Jordan Addison, and does a really good job of that. And that's important at the next level, especially with so many more defenses playing zone, heavy systems and just so many zone calls you're seeing around the NFL. I mean, how much have the giants faced zone over the last few years, really since Daniel Jones became the quarterback, they faced a lot of zone outside of his rookie season where teams played him in man, and he beat up man on man. And so, That's something that interests me. If he's the type of receiver who can be like that Steve Smith guy. And that's all to me, Jordan Addison's best fit. And at the NFL level, Nick is in the slot like that. You can play him on the outside. Maybe he'll, some team will play him on the outside, but I think he's better off as a slot at 173 pounds personally. Um, So we'll see what happens there. But I get some of those Steve Smith vibes in his ability to kind of find that soft spot in the zone, understand the spatial, have that spatial awareness, and then make that play
2: got a really good call by you, and I'm trying to look for Steve Smith, the USC Steve Smith's mock draftable, but it's difficult yeah. because they keep bringing me to the Utah Steve Smith. <laughs> yeah, here it is. uh Steve, So Steve Smith from USC, 2007 draft class. The thing is, he was six foot one hundred ninety-seven, so he was a little bit bigger. But I don't think that's mm. what you were you were likening to, anyways. But damn, Steve Smith was like a freaking
1: athlete, bro. You know, I don't yeah. know what
2: his ten yard split was. This is insane. It was one four six wow 1, 4, 6, 10 yards split like i wouldn't have thought that about steve smith no. and i love steve smith but i didn't think he was
1: if you that had mentioned explore. to me nick that he had like an insane three cone i would have been like okay yeah but the split <laughs> i was not expecting six six eight three cone which yeah, is, is
2: insane. 89th percentile so he was and and that's like with all the other like Everything up till now, as well, and the athletes have just gotten re- more refined and yeah. better. Yeah. So, so at that time, that was insane. The fact that he fell to the second round is actually pretty, pretty wild. I think he had some. Did he have injury issues? I know Aaron Ross did that year. In, I know in,
1: uh, Terrell, T- Steve Smith. I think might have been. A, was he a third round pick by the Giants? Or was he? A second I thought round he was pick? a second yeah.
2: round pick in, in two thousand seven. I, I think it been. went. I think it went. Um, Aaron Ross out of Texas. Steve Smith. Yes. You're right. You're uh, right. The the Penn State defensive tackle,
1: hundred percent right. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. of the class with Terrell Thomas, where he was the second. That round was pick the next. Was, yeah, that yeah. was the one after. Yep. Yeah, yeah That you're was right. When, uh,
2: was- the safety from uh the safety from uh Miami was the first round pick, Kenny Phillips. Kenny Phillips. Yeah. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. But, but back to Steve. But I know what you're saying though. In terms of his ability to be spatially aware, his ability to to find the voids in the z- in zone coverage, I felt like he played more man coverage. Maybe I'm just like kind of like they play a lot. There's definitely
1: more man coverage. Yeah.
2: But when he was tasked, and I believe I have that in my evaluation, which should be over there at Giants country. I think it's just a very spatially aware player uh, knows how to find open space against zone coverage. Not an easy task to handle in true man coverage when you don't have safety help over the top great routes at all three level, very technically sound a proficient route runner can run the route tree, have all that kind of stuff has experience returning kicks. I also have down there. So I'm guessing he returned kicks at one point, but it, that's something that definitely popped up in his film. Like to me, this is a smart player. It's just those physical limitations and the, the ceiling question I believe are, are questions that the giants have to ask themselves if they're seriously considering him at 25. Cause when you look at Jordan Addison and then you look at Zay flowers, I can realistically hear arguments and and paths in the future to where jordan addison becomes a better player than zay flowers but if you were to ask me nick who has a higher ceiling and who are you betting on right now i might lean towards zay flowers but it depends on what you're talking about if you're talking about ceiling upside type stuff it's zay flowers all day if you're talking about who's going to have a a higher floor to me that's jordan addison so what do you want in your wide receiver core and what do the giants want to pick
1: 25 I think that's very well said by you because I feel the exact same way. I would make the bet on flowers too, but I would also say that he has a much or Addison has a higher floor than him. So it's just a matter of what you want at that point. I also think the thing with me with flowers versus Addison is, I think Flowers Has a better chance Of being successful As an outside receiver And I know the Giants Already have a ton Of slot receivers So it's yeah. like You bring in Addison And is it just adding More to what they already have there? How are you going to get All these guys on the field At the same time I know we do play Tend to play positionless Football here with the Giants And it's positionless At the wide receiver position ton of tight splits A ton of pre-snap motion A ton of bunch and stack And that's all good and well But you still want to have One guy on the outside Who can win in that one-on-one So you can put him On the outside at times And force a safety over the top And I think Flowers has that kind of upside because he can do so well speed releasing off the line of scrimmage in that Antonio Brown way. Like Antonio Brown didn't have much to his vertical game in my opinion, but he had that one that all he needed was the one uh, Trump trait. And that was his ability to fire off the line of scrimmage insanely fast and then just win before the corner can get his hands on him. I don't know if I see that with Addison. I don't see that suddenness and more importantly, I don't see that speed explosiveness in that one way. I see it in other ways with Addison when he's getting in and out of his breaks, like we talked about. And so that's kind of like that, that kind of goes back to like, if you're asking me right now, Flowers or Addison for the Giants, I would choose Flowers first. I think pretty clearly for me.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. But in honor of Gary Levine. Yeah, I want to go back to the 2021 draft. Look, I'm not a big comp guy, but if we're going to link these two prospects to 2021 draft picks now that they've been in the NFL for a few years, and that was just a profound draft class, Zay Flowers is a couple guys that come to my mind, right? Like Jalen Waddle comes to my mind. I think Elijah Moore comes to my yes. mind. And that's a player who I feel like has a ton of talent that could be realized now that he is in Cleveland. I don't know what was going on with the Jets. I don't know the kid's character. Maybe there's something wrong with him. I have, I have no idea. But we haven't necessarily yeah. seen him thrive. Like I feel like his skill set at Ole Miss suggested that he would. Zay Flowers, Jalen Waddle, Elijah Moore. Who is Jordan Addison? Because I can, I can hear Devonta right. Smith. But Devonta Smith no. was much more explosive, was a yeah. much better athlete, but the size concerns is is something that I feel like allow me to be like, maybe, but I'm trying to think of another receiver from the 2021 draft that is kind of like a Jordan Addison, somebody that we can link to that draft class and be like, right. maybe it be him in the NFL.
1: Yeah. I'd have to look back through that draft class and go look at all the receivers. I don't have it up in front of me right now, but it would have to be somebody who's in that like Steve Smith, Calvin Ridley mold. That's really where I, where I feel Addison will be because I, I've I've heard, like you said, the digs and I don't see the digs. Digs is a much more explosive athlete, much more explosive lower half. I feel like if you want to compare anyone to digs in this class, you'd be closer comparing flowers than you are comparing Addison, just the way I see them from an explosiveness stamp.
2: And another thing about flowers, I think there's a path in the NFL where he can be Kadarius Tony, but a dialed in a, I know the playbook, a, my hamstrings don't pop off the back of my bone, every freaking play type of Kadarius Tony. That's why Zay Flowers is so interesting to me. And I don't think he has the the, the change of direction like that. Like if, if anybody has the change of direction that is somewhat similar to Kadarius Tony, it's Tank Dell. Like Houston's Tank yeah. And I don't know if you've watched him, Dan. And maybe we'll do a draft profile on him. Tank Dell, he's going to be selected well after these guys. He's like 160 pounds. He's a small-ass dude. But... Holy crap, can he run routes? Holy crap, can he sell his routes similar to Jordan Addison? And holy crap, his change of direction is the closest thing I've seen to Kadarius Tony since Kadarius Tony came out of Florida.
1: Well, Andy, I don't think he has the same injury history as Tony. No, he doesn't. Yeah, and that's a big thing. So anyway, back to Addison. Let's get into some, uh, let's get into some um, you know, declarations. First, I want to talk about one more thing, aspect of his game, because I have this in red, red ink or red highlight in my notes. Cause I wanted to bring this up to you a concern I have with him. And this is not to say like flowers definitely has this in his game. Honestly, even Quentin Johnson doesn't have it. two guys. I want to get to soon that I know you like number one is Tillman. I need to watch him because people are talking him up and I know you like him a lot. And I think that could be a nice sleeper. Um, the best then, wide like, receiver at the catch point I've seen so far in this draft. And I love that type of receiver. And that's what I'm going to get into now with Addison. I honestly, now, I like all these things I talked about with Addison, but I don't see almost any physicality to his game. Just no, and, and I don't know if you feel that way too, or what your thoughts are on that type of statement, but I noticed it a lot in just like those, like just in many different ways. Like I don't see him using, you know how a lot of receivers are really good. At, I know you hate this, but like a lot of receivers are really good at pushing off subtly to the point where it's not going to get called by the, by the ref. And it is kind of illegal. You would wish there were more OPIs, but they don't call them. I don't see a lot in that in his game. I don't see him using his hands being physical uh, to get off of c- uh, press coverage or anything like that, or just in the middle of his route. What do you think about his, the physicality to his game and how that translated at hundred at 173 pounds? Oh, it's
2: definitely an issue. I have that all throughout my evaluation. It's it was blocking is marginal, which is another thing yeah. that I feel like teams will look at, but that's obviously not the primary reason you're selecting a wide receiver, but that play strength is an issue. And I feel like, can he defeat press coverage? I feel like he has the body control, the foot quickness to, to do so. But if you get a really good press corner who is able to land his jam on him, I think the 173-pound frame is going to become an issue for you. And that's one reason why we're talking about maybe he has to play in the slot because he hasn't really had too much experience up against really good press cornerbacks. And when you are 173 pounds, when you don't necessarily have a dominating type of Ability to impose power on anybody, even at for a wide receiver. I don't really see him at the catch point be somebody who mosses people in the sense of I'm just more physical than you. I think his concentration and his tracking and things like that really maximize his ability to come down with footballs in 50-50 one-on-one type of situations. But it's not a physical trait. So yeah, that's definitely something that concerns me going in when you're talking about a first-round pick who isn't all right. that physical when he isn't the best athlete for garnering first-round buzz. Those are reasons for pause when we are discussing Jordan Addison.
1: Yeah, it's it definitely feels a little bit more like a floor pick to me. So let's get into it now. Is Jordan Addison a player that you want the Giants to select at 25 overall?
2: I wouldn't say want. But if they went in that direction, I don't think I would throw a fit, but I, I wouldn't say I, I want. I think there are other receivers in this draft class that I would prefer, but I'm wondering how many more like I would prefer Quentin Johnston. I would prefer Zay Flowers. Don't think I'd prefer Jalen Hyatt. I think that's the really interesting conversation. Is Jalen Hyatt or Jordan Addison? Because I can be swayed either way. Jalen Hyatt, the upside, that's a freaking grand slam swing. It's not a home run swing. That's a grand slam swing. Because if he hits, then you're talking about you know an explosive playmaker who can fundamentally change how defenses play you. And I think that's very, very important. But this is a one-year wonder. One-year wonder. You know, somebody with not a lot of experience, somebody who is somewhat of a one trick pony. I feel like he tracks the football well, has solid hands. You know, I feel like uh, the one trick pony is a little bit disrespectful, but he's a speed guy. That's what he is. Jordan Addison is a much better overall wide receiver than a Jalen Hyatt. So I think that's where the conversation gets really interesting. But in terms of Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnston, and I feel like I'm forgetting another wide receiver. Who is being. Oh, well, that one's obvious. Yeah. JSN is all day. JSN. Um. I'm team JSN's my number one wide receiver right now. So he's my Um, wide receiver one
1: as well. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He's, he's, he's great. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with, with that. But what are your thoughts on, on Hyatt and Jordan Addison? And then you can answer your own question too.
1: Yeah. Hyatt is a player who I think is just an interesting evaluation because he's so much projection. Involved in a player like Hyatt, like you said, not only is a one year wonder, he's just not running like that diverse of a route tree. He's not, most of his sl- snaps are from the slot. He's playing in a system that doesn't translate really at all to the NFL level over there at Tennessee. Like you have to just totally project with him. But like you said, his explosiveness, his suddenness, and his deep speed make him give him a chance, have a higher ceiling than a player like Jordan Addison to me. And that doesn't mean I would take him over Addison. I would prefer Addison. I'd take the floor play, the swing. I really feel like Addison has a nice floor and he could, when he can immediately present those layups for your offense, which to me are very important, especially if you have a Daniel Jones as your quarterback right now. And that's not to knock Daniel Jones. That's where we're at right now. We're a team that in our passing game right now, the success that we found has been pretty much all those layup type routes and the type of stuff that you know wins quick for the quarterback get the ball out of his hands. i don't hate that anyway overall because deep stuff is fun nick but like you can't run an offense that's just taking vertical shots all game like it's not gonna it's never gonna work out like that you still need to have the ability like if you're running your offense to the best ability i think at the nfl level it means your quarterback's getting rid of the football like this over and over and over again it's just he catches it the pass rush doesn't matter because he just knows where to go with the football And you need people who can win quick so a player like addison but i look at it differently i look at it like and I'll get into if I would want this guy at 25 if Addison at 25 a second. I watch a player like Josh Downs, Nick, who I haven't seen mm-hmm. that much of, but I've seen enough to know. Like, would I want Addison 25 if Downs is going to be there in round two? Probably not, to be honest. I don't know that I see too much of a difference between those players. I also don't know if I like I there are aspects of Josh Downs' game that I think are better than Jordan Addison's and aspects that are worse, but like I look at those types of players and I'm like, is Addison really worth the premium when there's a player like Josh Downs probably sitting on the board in the next round uh in at you know at the same spot where the Giants pick.
2: Damn, Josh Downs tape against Wake Forest. It's just stupid. Like he he's he's a very fun player. If we're talking very about a B-5 guy, but he's also very undersized. And that's another reason why it's like the Giants are obviously interested in at least entertaining wide receiver at 25. They're taking every wide receiver who is being discussed in the first round out to dinner, they're whining and dining. These guys are trying to get to know them. So obviously the giants read the breadcrumbs. They're, they're interested in, in a wide receiver 25, but if it's not Zay flowers, Quentin Johnson or JSN, I, I like, I'm okay with Jordan Addison, but I'm not like overly enthusiastic. I don't think, but I'm okay with it. But as you brought up, you have Josh downs, you have. Guys like Marvin Mims, you have Tank Dell, Xavier Hutchinson, who's a little bit of a different guy, but another smart type of receiver, the kid from Iowa State. There are players like Tyler Scott from Cincinnati, who yeah. is, I put a clip up of him, dude. He has like insane acceleration. Now, that was against ECU. So those Doesn't guys matter. They did. That
1: acceleration on yeah. that clip was insane. That reminded me of a Dwayne Eskridge play that I watched. That like made, sold me on Eskridge, who ended up not working out. But he was a different guy. Dude was like twenty six coming. He came at the NFL. <laughs> yeah,
2: he was a little bit older, Dwayne Eskridge. But yeah, so that's kind of where 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 I'm at. I think I just like a lot of players who will be available around the day two range. And I only really mentioned that just because there are other holes in the Giants roster, and I think there might be other players at other positions that the Giants should entertain at 25, or at least I feel like they possibly should at least entertain them, specifically at cornerback. So that's kind of why I am i would be like, if, if the Giants selected Jordan Addison over, let's say, I'm trying to think of a cornerback who will realistically be around at that area, because I'm starting to, re- like if Deontay Banks, which I don't think Deontay Banks is going to be around either, then I'd be pretty upset. Like, I think Witherspoon, Gonzalez and Banks will all be gone. And then you're stuck there looking at corners who are they have some deficiencies, in my opinion, like corners that I'm not in love with Mm -hmm. for Wink Martindale's system. Mm -hmm. And that's where you start being like, do you look at other positions? You know, you don't want to pigeonhole yourself into position, but it all depends on the players who are available to you in this draft. And there and this is a deep cornerback draft class. It's not a high end wide receiver draft class. But I also think like there are players that you can get on day two in round three who can come, come on to your team, come on to the Giants, and be a starter, and be a good starter at that, like the guys like Marvin Mims and players like that.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, for me, it's like a 25 overall, I think about it like this. If those corners are all off the board, I would like to entertain Addison. Again, I feel like it's more of a floor pick than a ceiling pick, but I do think there is somewhat, like, people said the same thing about Calvin Ridley, and Calvin Ridley ended up being a ceiling player in the NFL, despite people saying he had no ceiling as a prospect. I just don't think he's as good as Calvin Ridley. He has similar type of game, but I just don't see it at that. He's not as big of him. He's not mostly, he's just not as explosive as him. So it'd be hard for me to get too excited about him at 25. But I look at it, like you said, like your big three, like I think JSN's my wide receiver one I, for a while. I had flowers, but JSN's just too damn good at what he does. And so I know whatever he'll be a slot. It doesn't matter. Cooper cups, a slot. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL. You can be a dominant slot. JSN flowers. You know, I love, I look at it like Quinton Johnston versus, versus addison i'm not as sold on quinton johnson quinton johnson to me i think he has the highest ceiling of any of these guys so it's like i'm fine swinging for ceiling but like quinton johnson to me is a much higher bust factor than somebody like jordan addison because i just there and, and it should, i shouldn't say it's like that high of a bust factor because one thing i like a lot about that uh, i sorry quinton johnson's game and we talked about this in the profile was his ability to break back to the quarterback on those di- on those stick routes and kind of how nimble he was with his feet but I just also see a. I've seen these types of guys like the Nikhil Harrys, and he's not this type of player. But they, those types of bigger body receivers who aren't that great at creating separation just kind of fizzle out at times in the NFL. I'm never t- too into these that style.
2: I'll say this. And that, yeah, and I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, go for it. Quentin Johnston is just a different level athlete than all of those other players, though. Sure. Like I feel like like Nikhil Harry. I know there are other examples. Nikhil Harry is like those two aren't. Even close to being similar. Like Nikhil Harry was a 50 50 ball winner. <laughs> like Quentin Johnson's not really a 50 50 ball guy. <laughs> but like, if you need, like, like you brought the stick routes. Like, I, I wrote in his profile, he's he, like, he would be perfect for Jason Garrett's offense because he is so good for somebody who is six foot four at running those curls, those sticks, those comebacks. But I, I just, I understand what you're saying because I don't think Quentin Johnson's profile is nearly complete. I think there's a lot of somewhat. Uh, mischaracterization out there about him. Like he is not that big bodied. I'm going to dominate the catch point. He has some plays like that, but there are also plays where I'm like, bro, like come down with that football. You're so much bigger than this five foot nine cornerback. How are you not coming down with that? But you're just talking about like an insane level athlete, like just a different type of athletic freak at the wide receiver position at six foot four with the way he moves and the body control that he shows in space and how he can make players miss his yak ability, dude, is freaking great so that's why i look at quentin johnston and i'm like i get he's not complete i get that i have a little bit more concern about his route running than say zay flowers or jordan addison but holy crap man if you can develop this kid and you can get a lot out of him right he's a true threat for any offense that he jumps onto.
1: yeah and that's why i'm i'm open to it as well i, I think we discussed this in his draft profile i was one of the first tweets i had on the receivers i'm like he might be the only actual receiver who tells how defenses play you in this whole class because of what you just said he's he, he's the Potentially the true, you know, prototypical X, who's on the outside. You have to put a safety over the top all the time because he's such a long strider and he's so explosive and he has that ability after the catch too. So if you play two off of him or you don't have to safety attention over there or bracket him, he'll catch a ball and then once he's in the open field, like you said, he's a monster after the catch. He's better than Addison after the catch. I don't know if he's better than Zay Flowers after the catch, but he's definitely better than Addison after the catch. He's probably better than JSN after the catch too, just because he's a faster and more explosive athlete. So I'm not going to be mad at Quentin Johnson too if something happens and he falls i just this typically not my kind of receiver but at some point you have to have those types of x receivers i just would prefer to wait for like my jamar chase or like my guy who i'm like all right he is big but he also is like really good at separating and really good at running the in breakers and the slants and like those types of cut those routes where you have to cut like that that i wasn't as sure as with quentin johnson in like how much the ball came into but regardless he's i agree with you i'd probably he's probably a player that I'm willing to swing on upside on, but as far as Addison goes again at 25, I'd be okay with it if it wasn't over those corners. I'd probably take an Addison over like a back Campbell, to be honest with you, and then over a John Michael Schmitz. Just to just, I just don't love swinging on center or linebacker there if they don't have like Keekly or Kelsey type upside, respectively. There, I'd rather take the high floor receiver who I think has a solid ceiling, but and that gets to the interesting point. And then you'd like think about oh, like because the Giants are in a weird spot, right, Nick? It's like the needs are offensive, our center, interior offensive line and linebackers, two of their biggest needs outside of corner and receiver. And yet, do you really want to take those position 25 overall unless they're going to be a definite difference maker? And so then it gets into, like, would they take a chance on it if a branch fell? Right. Would you would you be in a <laughs> branch? And yeah, that, you're reading that your mind right
2: reading my mind right now i was gonna be like let me throw a name out at you brian branch and i was gonna preface it i had a whole thing like come up in my it came up in my head the last like two minutes i was gonna say let's preface this what are the important aspects of this team what does wink martindale need he needs versatile defensive backs he needs defensive backs in general you want depth at defensive back you just lost julian love brian branch can play safety for you Brian Branch is a significant upgrade over Darnay Holmes in the slot. Giants love to play sub packages. Brian Branch can do so many different things. This is the Alabama defensive back, and he tested like shit at the combine. Don't care. He's a, he's a good athlete, you know, and I still have tape to watch on him. Everything that I've seen from him does not suggest that this guy is a bad athlete and he'll be exploited because of his athletic ability. All I know is he is physical and he is so freaking smart. and He knows where to be at all times, and he can handle a a slew of different res, uh, assignments for he did it at Nick Saban. He's like, he's not Xavier McKinney. He's not like in terms of Xavier McKinney. I feel like he's a much better athlete, even though Xavier McKinney didn't test all that well at the combine either. But you add another Alabama defender like Xavier McKinney to this defense. You could just do so many different things. And I feel like if he were to fall to 25, I would be interested. Again, I have a little bit more work to do on him. But from what I've seen, I would certainly be interested in a player like Brian Branch. And I think that's another name that we should maybe pay attention to. I don't think he's going to be around though at 25. I think there's going to be another team that would probably scoop him up just because he is so damn versatile. And we live in a sub package NFL world where players like that are vital to success.
1: Yeah. And that's a great breakdown because if you think about it from that 30,000 foot view, we're a team with wink Martindale that runs a ton of sub packages run a ton of looks with safeties on the field. And, You know, they maximize the high football IQ of a player like Xavier McKinney, who came from that saving defense. Now you had another safety from a saving defense. You got two safeties from a saving defense on the field, pretty much probably at that point, playing every snap and a variety of different roles because the giants play safety so often it feels like that could help them more than a lot of these other players, potentially if he hits on what he's supposed to be and things like that. So he's definitely a player I'm interested in as well at 25.
2: And we also just got to start thinking about this draft as who are the giants looking to beat? What's the team that the Giants need to overcome to get to the mountaintop for them, which is winning the division and then eventually, hopefully, a Super Bowl? It's the Eagles. Eagles have Jalen Hurts at quarterback. They need to find people who can contain Jalen Hurts. They need to find players who can stop the Eagles rushing attack because two games last year, just eliminate week 18, two games last year, the Giants were absolutely embarrassed. And in the divisional round, it was... It was horrifying. Go back and watch that game. It's difficult, I know, but go back and watch that game. There was really nothing down the field except for a couple passes to Devonta Smith. Everything else was within like ten yards of the line of scrimmage, and it was literally just—it <laughs> was just Shane Steichen and, and, and Nick Sirianni being like, "The Giants have Gerard Davis and Jalen Smith out there at linebacker. Fun. All right. Cool. Oh, Dexter Lawrence is off the field. Awesome. Like the Giants need to figure out a way to stop the run and to." guard players like Dallas Goddard and to guard those athletic tight ends like that. I think Brian Branch can help you do that when you are in sub package because he does bring that physical element as a run defender and he is smart and he's not going to be overly fooled by what the Eagles are trying to do on the RPOs and the zone read type
1: of game which really just destroyed the Giants uh, in that second in that divisional matchup. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. And that's why those types of players may have more value to a team like the Giants than every other team. And we'll find that type of information out as we go through the process more. Um, But anyway, any final thoughts on Jordan Addison? Jordan Addison,
2: again, I can read my little synopsis on him. Yeah, go ahead. Jordan Addison is an elite route runner who understands how to manipulate defenders to maximize his opportunities to get open on any given play. He creates separation with this combination of nuance and short area quickness at all three levels of the field, and he does a solid job earning extra yards after the catch. Addison has solid overall – Was that? Uh, it says handsome. I shouldn't say handsome. Damn. Hands. but his issues with drops in 2021 and 2020 were frustrating. His frame limited catch radius and small hands are a concern when discussing Addison as a top 20 player. I was encouraged by his release package at USC. However, he still had several design touches, which does beg the question about the consistent ability to separate against press on the outside teams must ask themselves how much will his size play strength affect him in the NFL. I love his ability to get in and out of breaks. With haste, the double move against Utah's Clark Phillips the third in the fourth quarter that went for 48 yards on a fourth and three is a good microcosm to see how he leverages timing and manipulation in high leverage spots to win. He sells his routes like a seasoned veteran and should be an excellent number two wide receiver at the
1: next level. So that was my assessment when I did his evaluation. I like that assessment. I think it's pretty in line with what I saw with Addison as well. So, Jordan Addison, a player the Giants might be interested in. They clearly are. They've shown interest already in him. player who Nick and I would both be pretty comfortable with at 25, not thrilled. We don't love it, but we'd be happy with it. Um, I think ultimately when it comes down to it, Nick, you and me are both on the same page. We just want a corner in this first round. I I mean, look, there are a lot of people who tweeted tweeted at me yesterday when I was like, uh, at this point, I'd, I'd rather just trade down, get an extra pick if none of these corners are there and take Josh Downs or something like that. And people are like corner. We don't need cor- people. Just some Giants fans don't really feel like corner is that big of a need right now. And to to you and I, it's like, I think it's the biggest need on the roster right now, by far to me.
2: We're talking about wing Martindale defense here. We're talking about right. what happens if a Dory Jackson gets injured, you're relying on Aaron Robinson coming off of a serious injury. And then Cordell Flott. I remain high on, I think if Cordell Flott is your starting number yeah. two cornerback, it's not a terrible situation to be in. But if it doesn't work out, what are we talking about? Because I also think Aaron Robinson should be booed back inside, too. I think that might be better. Like, I think he can play outside, but I don't know if the Giants should be necessarily relying on him to be a starter at either position. He should be like cherry on the top where you're like, I'm glad this is here, but it's not necessary because you can't rely on somebody who was injured the entire season last year. He's going to be on the roster, no doubt, but you don't want him to pencil him in as a starter. Look at what the Ravens did to, to get the most out of Wink Martindale's defense. They had Marcus Peters, they had Marlon Humphrey, who was an absolute stud, and they had Jimmy Smith. They had three number one cornerbacks on that team. And that team was excellent against the run. And that team, when they were healthy, was excellent against the pass. That was a really great defensive team. It was a shame that they did not win the Super Bowl with Wink Martindale as their defensive corner. If you look at the Giants personnel now, you have a Dory Jackson. Don't know how long he's going to be there. Cordell Flott, still a little bit of a development. Aaron Robinson, injured a lot. And then you're talking about guys like Leonard Johnson yeah, Leonard and, and Johnson, players like yep. that. So it's just like... I think cornerback is a pretty pressing need, especially if some of those guys that we were discussing before slide. Do not count on Witherspoon. Do not count on Gonzalez. Banks, yeah. that would be a home run, but I'm I'm not optimistic that he'll be there at
1: 25. Yeah, kind of starting to feel the same way as you on that. Well, we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, look... You mentioned it before. Who are, you, who are you trying to beat? We're in a division that has AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. The Giants desperately need corners. They don't have any long-term play right now. Corner outside of Cordell Flott, who's still a developmental pick. They don't know if Wardory Jackson is part of their long-term future. To me, it's by far and away the biggest need right now. So that's why it's tough to get too excited. And that just brings back the Addison thing, because you still want them to go corner here. if They can.
2: Two cornerbacks that I'm going to watch this week and we'll report back on him. Cam Smith, the Gamecocks cornerback from South Carolina now, the Giants are having him in for a top 30 visit. And then Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. I haven't seen Emmanuel Forbes yet. I want to watch both of those players. That might be the range we're looking at. We might be looking at Emmanuel Forbes, Cam Smith, Julius Brents, Keely Ringo. And I'm not overly optimistic that Brents or Ringo will fit in perfectly with a true man coverage type of system the giants could go in that direction. Whereas cam Smith and Emmanuel Forbes, I- I've yet to really grind through their tape. So I'll have to report back on that, but those are two names to pay attention to for pick 25, Emmanuel Forbes, cam Smith.
1: All right. That was a Jordan Addison draft profile that devolved. And also into evolved. Also, I should say into uh, some discussions about corner center linebacker, just how to 30,000 foot view stuff on where the giants can go here. So hopefully you enjoyed this. Remember, I forget to say it at the beginning of every podcast, but Please like subscribe to this on YouTube. If you're watching, if you're listening, download, pre- please download the podcast. I should say, uh, leave us a rating and review. And if you leave a mock draft in the rating and review, we're going to start at some point in like probably a week from now, uh, ending every show by grading your mock draft. So that would be a fun time. Otherwise have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon.